and welcome to Industry Minds, the podcast that discusses the importance of talking about mental health within the creative arts. My name is Cathy Reid. And I'm Scarlett Maltman. And today we are joined by an absolute powerhouse of a woman. She has such an incredible story that we're sure will relate to a lot of our listeners for various different reasons. And we're so grateful that she has come on the podcast today to talk to us about her life. So we are welcoming Tatum Carmen Swithenbank. Hello. Wow. Hello. That was a beautiful <laughs> introduction. Thank you. I wrote that on the tube this morning just for you. All the love. So much love. <laughs> How are you today? Yeah, yeah, I'm well, thank you. A bit tired, but um, yeah, happy to be in this space with you ladies. It's an early Sunday morning for everyone yeah. listening, and uh, yeah, we're all a little bit tired, but it's <laughs> fine, it's fine. So without further ado, let's pull a word association game. You ready? Yeah, I, when I say I'm terrible at games, I, I, I've never been, I wasn't brought up in a family that played games, so when I got to Art Said and it was like <laughs> drama class and they're playing all these games, I was like, I've got really bad anxiety. So I've been working on it for years and years. No, so this is quite good that you're doing this because every time I have to play a game, I have to push through kind of my... I I won't get really bad anxiety anymore, but um, yeah, I've got better. I even bought Cluedo the other day. Really? Yeah. Amazing. I've never played Cluedo. We should play it. (laughs) So let's do it. Let's play the game. Right. Travelling. Every day. Cocktail. Love them. Empowerment. Uh, equality. Relaxation. Meditation. Super noodles. Oh, tasty. Autumn. My favourite month. I mean, season. <laughs> <laughs> January, February, autumn. <laughs> Bruce Willis. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> okay, so now I first met you at an international, at, at an international woman, that's wrong. Now I first met you on International Women's Day last year at a Bumble event hosted by the lovely Amy Barrett. Um, you were asked to speak about your experiences and I was so touched and empowered by everything that you spoke about. And I remember thinking, oh, this woman's like the definition of a strong woman. Um, so let's just rewind and chat about the main points you chatted about. So you attended Arts Educational Schools London. Unfortunately, you had to leave your dream school. Just chat, chat to us, talk us through why you had to leave. Yeah, so um, getting into Arts Ed was a massive step for me because I've been training to be a dancer my entire life. So, you know, when you like finally get into dance school and I moved from the Midlands and I was like, I'm in London now, uh, I can live my dream. Um, and then it was like four, um, four months in, I suddenly couldn't uh, rise on my tiptoes that well. I couldn't plie. Uh, it, it was strange because I was in the top group of dance, which proved that there wasn't a problem before I got there. But because the dance teachers didn't know me that well, they kind of thought, oh, well, you know, she's got sway back legs, so maybe it's because she's using her legs in a different way and things like that. But I was like, no, there's definitely something wrong with me. And um, Went to lots of physio, went to um, doctors, various doctors, went to a doctor. We actually had a doctor in the um, school that you could see once a week. So I went to see them. They'd never seen anything like it. Showed them, I showed them that I couldn't rise and my plie was changing and jumping was really difficult. And then the physio said they'd never seen anything like it. So I, yeah, just didn't really have any answers. Um, and it got to the point where 
nothing was getting fixed because no one knew what was going on, that when it came to the assessments at the end of first year, I did all my singing and drama assessments, um, worked really hard, they were really happy with me, but I couldn't complete, I tried really hard to complete the dance ones, like I still pushed through and did it, but obviously it not to a success because there were so many things that I just couldn't do anymore um, which it was really bizarre so then they said to me um, obviously you'll have to take a year out and then come back when you fixed it but I didn't really know what the fixing would be yeah so then did you go to doctors how, how did you find out what the fixing was Yes, yeah, so it was a long, long journey to actually getting diagnosed from what was wrong. So I always thought, okay, well, I'll maybe have an operation or I'll take some medication and then I'll get back to dancing. But it actually took, so I left said so I was 19 by this point, so that was 2012. I didn't, I went through MRI scans, massive needles in my legs, um, constantly going to appointments. And then finally I got a biopsy. So if you don't know what, it's where they take muscle out. Yeah, that, which was awful. Like they didn't put me to sleep or anything. And I, I yeah, and I, I faint a lot, which is really annoying. I'm not actually scared of needles and things. Yeah, and I, yeah, yeah, so do I. I always faint giving blood. And it's so annoying because I'm not scared. Like Halloween's my favorite holiday. I love all that stuff. But for some reason it just triggers something. So yeah, that was an awful experience. And then I didn't actually find out till 2015 that they were like, okay, this is, you've actually got a muscle disease and you won't be able to dance ever again. You won't, um, you won't be doing anything physical, like running or um, yeah, any sports, anything like that. But they still weren't really sure, because it's such a rare disease, muscular dystrophy, there's all these different brackets. They weren't really sure what type it was. So um, it wasn't actually until I came back from traveling a year ago that I got a definite. So it's been years of the unknown, which is obviously is a really horrible space to be in because you don't know what to do next because you don't have an answer. Yeah. yeah. And how did that affect you, you know, from essentially taking a year off being like yeah like I'll get it sorted I'm going to come back to then realizing oh shit I, I can't go back I need to take care of myself how was that yeah it was really difficult because um, like I mentioned I came from Leicester so that's where I was brought up and then I moved to London when I was 18 to go to Art Ed. so the the family and the friends that I made here were all going back into second year so when I couldn't go back into second year and I, I couldn't afford to stay in Chiswick I got myself in loads of debt to even pay my rent in the first place because I'm from a working class family and I only went to Art Ed because I got a scholarship otherwise I, I wouldn't have been able to go so I just felt so lost. I felt really isolated. Everyone went back to school and I was just there like, this was not meant to happen. I don't, I don't know what I'm supposed to do now. And um, yeah, I'd always struggled with anxiety since I was a kid because there's quite a lot of, um, had quite a strange upbringing, but I'd never experienced depression. And that was the first time I fell into deep, deep sadness. Yeah. yeah. I, like I take it you were living on on your own like in London what what did you do to kind of be like right I need to break away I need to look after myself yeah so um oh, it's really it's quite a long long journey to that point I didn't start looking after myself for ages so what happened was I um I 
because I explained, I, I, I thought I might be able to go back. I thought I might be able to dance again. So what happened was I worked um, two jobs to stay in London. I moved into a small little room in Acton, just up the road from Chiswick with, yeah, Acton. <laughs> um, yeah, so I moved there. Uh, there were actually some art said graduates who had a tiny little room that I could rent out for quite cheap. So I did that. Worked two jobs. Um, and it wasn't it wasn't for a while until I actually took care of myself because I was really in denial. I was kind of like, I've always kept going in life, so whatever's happened, I'm like, I'm okay. I'm gonna power through. I'm gonna power through, and I wasn't actually facing. No, this is a big. This is a big thing. You've got to work through, and you've got to heal from. So I ended up um, partying a lot. I was working um, in a restaurant. Um, yeah, made friends with someone who we're not friends anymore um, from differences and life changing. But um, we we went out four times a week. I started, you know self-medicating with recreational drugs I, I didn't I just lost my direction completely you know going out to the box and going out you know partying was something to just kind of hide what was actually going on and I think deep down inside I knew that but it wasn't until I decided to go traveling that I finally faced okay now I've got to I've got to look after myself I've got to work on my mental health I've got to work on my physical health and actually started doing research because before that I wasn't even paying attention to what I needed and what my body needed I was just kind of um yeah ignoring it yeah, to be honest yeah. yeah so on that topic what is muscular dystrophy yeah, so it is a muscle wasting disease it's um a neuromuscular disease it's in your DNA so um, the thing is, muscular dystrophy is kind of the word for it, but there's loads of different types that bracket from it. So I've got one called limb girdle type 2B. <laughs> it's, it's so complicated. Whenever I get my letters, there's all these um, really complicated science words, and I'm like, I don't know what that means. I have no idea. So it can. We should put pictures on it. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I'm like, can I have a picture book for this, please? So it was kind of. Um, it's hard to even. Uh, let it sit with you and soak in when you don't really understand even the language but yeah so it's basically the one that I have it's muscle wasting in the hips the legs and the arms um, and it's progressive so it's yeah it's going to get worse and um, they don't have a lot of um, funding for it because it's uh, not a really um, well-known disease so there's no cure and there's no funding so that's another thing that's quite hard to work through because you kind of feel a little bit left yeah. in the dark yeah. with it and the mutations that they found in my DNA have never been found before <laughs> yeah never yeah which is obviously like oh wow I'm I'm you know you one I'm the only one but then it's frustrating because there's no yeah there's there's no information of what to do there's no um there's no support system that I have over time joined Facebook groups and that's been really helpful for me for other people with diseases because before I just I thought you know I'm just going to ignore it I don't want that to be my life and then I was like well you know I've got to the point in the last three years I've been like well this is my life and I've got I've got to confront it and okay I'm not going to be a victim and stay in bed crying and oh poor me but you you've yeah you've got to get the balance of being um, strong and working with what you've got but also not denying it and kind of yeah working out what's wrong and what's best for you yeah, yeah, absolutely. so obviously leaving art said was a huge thing for you um, and you realized that you couldn't really be a dancer anymore uh, what was your experience like of having to build a new identity I think this is 
one of the things that's actually really positive because when you lose something so big that you've identified yourself as for so long and also everybody's you know projected onto you you know Tatum's the dancer Tatum's the active one the performer um, it's it's really difficult because it's so hard to let that go and and make space for a new identity but it's been one of the most um, difficult but also exciting journeys that I've ever had like, I, I don't think I would have done so many things that I've been doing since I left Artset I wouldn't have done if I yeah had stayed at Artset and been a dancer and I've traveled the world I've found new ways to explore my creativity and um, it's yeah like I say it's not easy at all but as soon as I think we become so attached to our identity you know and even people who are ab able-bodied people and um you know, we're forever changing no matter what, your dreams, your wants, your needs, they're constantly evolving. It would be awful if we stayed the same. It'd be terrible. So it's, I think, yeah, as soon as we stop becoming so attached to the ideas of who we are, um, you've got to be open to change. And as soon as you let that change come in, it's, it's magic, really. I've, I've really enjoyed it in many ways. So on that, what advice would you give to those who are having to build a new identity for themselves in any kind of situation yeah yeah I think what you have to realize it's not going to happen overnight so it may take yeah it may take years for you to be able to build a new identity and let go of things that don't serve you anymore um, also I think for a while I really yeah I felt really lost because I was like, oh no, I'm not a dancer anymore, I'm not a dancer anymore, like who am I? And okay, maybe I'm not completely um, able to do a lot of dance things anymore, but I am still a dancer. You can't, you don't have to be like, oh, you know, it's still part of who I am. The way I move, the way I sit, it's still, I still feel like a dancer. But um, I think, yeah, new, when it comes to a new identity, you just need to remember that, yeah, that you're always evolving and, it's don't be harsh on yourself kind of sit in that sadness if you've lost something say if you've had an injury or you're dealing with disease you don't have to be um you don't have to be strong all the time you know have your days where you sit in your sadness and you're like you know what this is shit this is absolutely shit and it really hurts and all I want to do is be able to go into a dance class or even as simple as sometimes because I love um climbing I, I want to be able to go and climb a mountain and or go skiing and some of those things I did I do still climb mountains very very slowly but I still do <laughs> but um I won't be able to ski and there's different activities and it is crap sometimes you think well that's really unfair I'm 25 years old but um, for anyone going through that just remember that there's so many things you can do and as soon as you um, think about all the positives and the things that you still have then it, it kind of is a massive liberation because there's people out there in the world who would love to have what you have yeah what was your journey like in finding new creative outlets oh okay really yeah okay this is kind of, um, there's been so many different journeys. So first of all, I, I went traveling, which was the best thing I could have ever done for myself. And creative uh, in the, um, I started writing a lot because I, was, I had the time to write. So I think in London, we're trying to do absolutely everything. And that really stressed me out, especially because, because my body um, couldn't keep up with everybody else my age. 
it's it's so hard feeling like a 40 year old in a 20 year old's body so it was to be able to go traveling and just kind of have time to um work out what to do next and different creativity was great because I started I bought a guitar I know that sounds like classic oh I went traveling and I <laughs> bought a guitar I, I've hardly done it but just to be able to start exploring other creativity was really fun um yeah I think it sounds dramatic but writing has saved my life honestly it has because as soon as I, I never used to be open about sharing my story um and when this first started happening, I wouldn't tell people, oh, I've got a disability or, oh, I suffer with mental health. But since doing that, it's been the most amazing thing, not just for me, but for other people. And um, I think things are changing now. It's not so taboo with what we talk about, which is wicked. It's still a long way to go. But so through my writing, I started writing a blog. I uh, got some really good feedback from that. And I was talking about, yeah, trauma and pain and my disability. And... It's funny because I went back and read it recently and I was like, it was, I think I started writing it when I went traveling, which was three years ago. And I don't even recognize that girl. And I was like, this is so weird. Like, I don't, I don't, I could remember feeling that way, but I didn't recognize it now. Um, and I think that's really interesting because I felt like for a moment, oh, should I take it down? I don't really agree with what I'm saying. But then it's like, but you felt like that at that time. So it's a reflection of how you feel. And then now when I'm writing, um, it's completely different, but it's just as valid. Whatever you're writing at any time, it's just as valid. So, yeah, I've been doing that. And then um, also I've started doing a bit of spoken word recently, which is fun. I don't think I'm any good at it, but I really enjoy it. So um, I've been doing some stuff with the Roundhouse. If you don't know the Roundhouse in Camden, they've got loads of good um, yeah, workshops and uh, things there. So I've been doing a bit of that. Um, also some more concentrating on my singing. I think what I found really hard is detaching um, because I did musical theater because I was a dancer. So I was always, that was my type of singing. And now um, it's like, okay, maybe I'm not going to do musical theater because it's quite physical. I've kind of, tried out other ways to express myself through singing but that's not musical theatre and I'm still doing that now but that's been yeah that's been really enjoyable. You said something there and it just sparks a really interesting point like when you're younger and you're trying to find out who you are and you go to like guitar lessons dance lessons like French and you just choose what you're good at and then that's what makes you your person so it's like why should that stop like if something changes like why should that stop you're like there's no age limit on anything. Yeah, it just sparked that little thought. It's so true. And I think, yeah, you're so right. It's such a shame that um, when we get older, we stop trying new things, don't we? Because like you said, when we're kids, you know, you're trying all these different stuff, you're doing archery, and you're doing netball, and you're doing dancing. <laughs> Love archery. I done taekwondo. Oh my God, amazing. <laughs> Love that. Love it. Yeah, so I think as adults, that's something that, and that, that's also what's happened to me um, over the last few years. I've just been starting again with so many things, which has been really, really exciting. And just saying, um, just saying yes to stuff and being really uncomfortable and putting yourself in environments where you haven't tried something before, which is so hard as an adult. Because everyone's always, especially at this time of social media, everyone's always like watching what you're doing and so quick to judge what you're doing. And I think that's another thing you've got to build a tribe around you that's going to support you and be like yeah you go do that go try that thing and, and what's the worst that's going to happen you feel embarrassed for a minute but you work through that fear and then 
um, every time you work through the fear and you go try something new, your anxiety becomes a bit less yeah. and a bit less. Yeah. yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So you are an absolute queen of feminism. How did your experiences with drama school and having to leave sculpt your strong views on feminism? Whew. What a question. <laughs> what a question. <laughs> I love it. Um, okay, where to start? So I think, um, I think women in the creative arts, especially dancers, have really struggled with um, feminism because we're literally told to be in competition with each other. And that's something that it takes a lot of work to kind of push past that. Um, so... I mean, I've really, I've always counted myself as feminist. You know, people think femi feminist is a dirty word. And I think that's a massive shame. Like, it's, it's such a shame that we've um, been made to feel that way. And in, in moments, you know, people have been like, oh, wow, old oh, Tatum's that one who's, you know, she's always got something to say about equality. And she's, it's like, oh, like that's, it's not cool that that's perceived as a bad thing. Because actually, what? who are we if we're not going to help each other who are we if we're not going to support each other that's and back in the day um women we'd group in circles and i mean going way way back it's a massive tradition um in our ancestry to group together um work on our women power and really connect to our divine femininity and we've completely lost that because the patriarchy in society has told us and the media and porn and advertising a long range of things yeah so I think for me I've been going through a long journey of self-acceptance of loving myself for who I am um, I think all dancers have maybe gone through a moment where they were really obsessed with their weights yeah had really bad experiences with that I remember so I, I used to do dance competitions I went to quite a well established school um, in Leicester and um, we did loads of competitions and things and uh, yeah and you'd be taken out of your duets or your groups if you like got fat and you know you're like 11 you're 11 years old oh, I, I, I think I started doing festivals when I was nine till the age of 16 yeah yeah brilliant I used to love festivals did you go to open yes yes maybe we danced yeah. against we each other oh my god we probably did I used to come to London to do the finals I can't even remember all the yeah yeah so I used to do all of that and um I remember you know I, I think maybe I was 14 at this age or maybe I was 15 but anyway I was starting to um I got into a relationship, like my first relationship. So, you know, I was starting to have sex. So I had to start taking contraception. So I had a, so I was on the pill for the first time in my life. So obviously you put on weight that way. And also you're a teenager, your hormones are changing. And I remember I was mortified because I'd put on weight. And honestly, I hadn't even noticed that I put on weight. And my dance teacher kept me behind at the end of um, the festival and was like, yeah, you've really put on a load of weight and made me feel terrible. It's like, I'm a teenager and I was crying and thought about it all the way home like my friends my parents never took me to festivals so I always had to go with I was lucky that I had friends mum's parents who would take me um, because I've got I've had quite a strange upbringing with parents so I'd always have to do that and I just felt so alone I was just like sat I just remember I sat in the back of this parents um, car feeling terrible about myself when I was a teenager it's, it's so so messed up so I think yeah for dancers feminism has been difficult because we're literally told to hate ourselves if we're not perfect and it's, I'm sure you've both had that experience um, yeah so I ended up getting a few times I for a while I'd make myself sick after I ate and things like that and um, 
I think it's only until like the last three years I've really found my power and my connection to feminism and equality. I think it's always been there, but um, I it's something that I'm completely passionate about now. And leaving Art Said kind of gave me the space to do that because I could build a new tribe that wasn't about, oh, who's going to get the part? It was more um, working with women instead of against women. So let's talk about the struggles of physical health versus mental health. How has um, having muscular dystrophy affected your mental health over the years and what have you learned through this experience to help you keep on top of your mental health? Yeah, well, I'm a strong, strong believer that the mind controls the body and the body controls the mind. Obviously, there's some things that are completely out of your control. So with muscular dystrophy, it's a DNA, um, it's in your DNA, it's a disease. So that's going to manifest eventually at some point in my life. But I do believe that um, your mindset can have a massive effect on your illness. And also, um, if you've got a strong mind, then you possibly won't get as sick. And I, I know it sounds quite a controversial thing to say, and especially because of science, but, um, and I have, I have done a lot of meditation and a lot of, um, read a lot of books, and there's a lot of scientists now who put the same thing of science with energy and spirituality, and when you link them, it makes, it makes a lot of sense. And um, I'm trying to think of an example, but, okay, this is a really silly example, but say you wake up hungover and you spend the whole day going, oh my God, I'm so hungover, I hate my life, I hate my life, and you know, just eating crappy food, you feel so much worse. But if you if you hang, have a hangover and you're like, okay, cool, I'm hungover, let me go and make myself a juice, and you kind of, you don't keep saying all day, I feel like shit, I feel like shit, you don't feel so bad. I know that's a small example, but if, so for me, I think my mental health um, massively affects my body. So if I'm, if I'm really struggling with things, so say if I'm feeling really lost in life, and, and I do, it, I'm constantly on different waves, I'll have really good weeks, really bad weeks, like we all do. It's, it's a never-ending journey of up and down. So some days I feel so crap, and I can feel in my body I'm more pain and more tired. And then, yeah, when I, when I kind of look after my mind, the pain's always there, but you can, you can feel a difference on, on how much there is. And also... Uh, I think a lot of the time when you're tired it can have a massive effect on your cognitive behavior as well so if um, I'm in a lot of pain my patience is shorter and that's quite difficult because I to the to a person who doesn't know me they would kind of look at me and think that I'm uh, able-bodied person because you can't always tell sometimes my disability can be invisible some days I have my walking stick and I can't I can't walk but if I'm out and about um, I walk a bit funny but you can't really tell there's anything wrong with me until I walk up and down stairs so when I'm really knackered and I'm in so much pain sometimes my patience is quite short and it happens with friends or a, a partner and and I can feel that my patience is getting shorter because you're in so much pain and it's really difficult in your 20s because people just take that as oh she's so like you know oh she's having she's being so psycho or whatever they say whatever they like to especially towards women they try and make make us seem even more psycho but um and it's really really hard because you don't want to be blaming um your pain your disease on your behavior but it 
can really take a strain on your behavior and the way the way your mind works and also sometimes I'm honestly that tired that my speech will be really slow and it all links in your um, it's it comes down to the simplest thing of you I, I think I read once that if you think about something really really bad happening I don't know if I believe this to be true but then in 10 years if you've kept thinking about it that thing will actually happen it's that law of attraction thing isn't it I don't completely believe in all of that but I think on smaller scale that that does happen yeah so um, just still on the topic of physical um, illness what advice would you give to someone who is maybe coming to terms with the diagnosis of um, a physical illness yeah so it's going to be hard it's going to be so so hard and that's okay and don't deny that it's hard um you will i think everyone deals with it differently so they're going to go different through different phases and maybe it's going to be um a journey of denial and then anger and frustration and then there will be acceptance and there'll be healing so you've just got to realize that the whole thing's a journey and we're human beings and no matter what we're not made up of one emotion all different emotions come constantly we're just we're made of so much that so I think coming to terms with it try to realize that your disease or disability or whatever change you're having it it doesn't ident it's not your only it doesn't define you you're so much more than your disease or so much more than what's going on or your mental illness or, or whatever it is you are more than that and if you um yeah I think it's okay to ask for help a lot of the time I spent years not asking for help. I felt like I don't want to be a burden on anyone. And we always feel like that. We're made to feel that um, in this time we have to be alone. And it's really sad actually because this whole self-care thing is supposed to be a good thing. And in some ways it is. I think it's really important to, if you're having a really bad time, yeah, stay in. You don't have to go out partying and taking drugs. Obviously that's not the good thing to do. But if you're supposed to be with a good friend and you're supposed to have dinner, don't cancel on them. You know, we get this idea of, oh, just stay in on your own. And... It's really, it's actually really dangerous because either you or that person maybe really needed to speak to someone. I remember when I was going through all this stuff from le after leaving Art Set, people would cancel on me all the time, and I would literally, I, I'd been at points, I mean, maybe three times in my life because due to my depression after my disease, where I had been suicidal, and I got to those points where I, uh, and. All it took was somebody, you know, saying, okay, come over and let me speak to you. You, you don't know what, I know that's a, that's quite like a, you know, dramatic kind of um, situation to happen, but you just don't know where people are coming from. And we're, it's, it's a hard time to be alive in so many ways and quite confusing that make sure that you're either there for people or that you're reaching out to people. And I know it's so, so hard to be honest, but it's okay to ask for help. And from someone myself I haven't come from um, a good family support and and I've had quite bad friends along the way it's so important that you build a community around you like that has that can save someone's life and it definitely saves my life by talking talking to people and um, I also like to stay as independent as possible but you've got to push through and reach out you really have because it's the best thing you can do so that that would be my advice don't stay quiet and know that you're not alone and, and sometimes because sometimes diseases can be quite specific you can feel like no one's going to understand me this is so shit I'm so alone um, but there will be somebody else in the world going through what you're going through and um, 
yeah, talk, talk about it as, mu as much as you possibly can. Even if that's to one person, talk to somebody. So what are your views on trying to be happy and positive in the media world? Yeah, it's a constant challenge for all of us. Any gender, we are faced with the patriarchy. I think a lot of mistakes that people make is, oh, women are the ones suffering, but actually all of us are suffering from, um, from it in different ways. So I think the best thing I did was to use my Instagram um, really responsibly. So to use it as a tool, um, I, I don't follow any anything that's going to make me feel crap. I just don't because you know what? We're going to see that all day anyway. We're going to see that in advertising. We're going to see that when um, it's, it's just constantly. It's constantly surrounding us. So, in it's it's surrounding us in language, um, in advertising, the things we touched on earlier. So, you know, you have control of who you follow on Instagram. So, if if you're feeling crappy from these women who have got tiny tiny little bodies or maybe it's the opposite maybe who've got loads of curves depending on what your insecurities are about your body it's um, and the same for men as well it's just don't follow them just don't do that because it's not helpful because I remember back in the day I don't know if you girls did this I would put a girl in a bikini on my screen like on my background so when I saw it I wouldn't eat that cake or I wouldn't like that is fucked up and that and that starts to really um make an effect on your mental health it really does and your physical health because you start doing crazy crazy things so um i yeah, so i did that and i made sure you know how you have algorithms on social media so then it would come up yeah and i was like as soon as i knew and it, it, it used to come up with really bad things and things like diet tea and stuff like that and i think we've got a responsibility to boycott those brands because some women are actually making money it's not just men mostly as men and the reason why the women are doing it is because of the patriarchy in the first place it's all conditioning it's very complicated but um just you, you've got to make sure like they're not using their um their platforms responsibly at all so just don't pay attention to all of that it's really really dangerous so I know that I was getting it right because like when adverts come up on your social media mine was oh do you want to do this meditation workshop or do you want to go on a herbalism talk and I was like okay I'm, I'm I think I'm doing the right thing because I'm following those things and I can't lie sometimes I do click on something and um, it'll make me feel like shit it's never ending because it's everywhere but I think that um, brands that make profit off our insecurities are always going to be there, and we've got to be really, really, really strong. And we've got to we've got to bring that down. We've got to dismantle that. And it's it's not going to happen overnight. And a lot of people will be like, "It's going to be here forever. We can't do anything about it." But we've got to try. We've got to try. Absolutely. I seen something actually on my social media, and I just unfollowed it. It was like this ridiculous image of Kim Kardashian, like looking absolutely sculpted after what, like, so many babies and like her little tiny Chanel bikini. And I was like, why am I following this person? Like, it's just unfollowed her. It's ridiculous. Like, no one looks like that. But this is the thing, and I think it's it's the, all these conversations are so good to have, and it's great that we're having them. And um, but you know, people always come. We're, we're not gonna. We're not. It's hard because people say, well, but these women, they're empowered because they're making money from their business and so on. And I just don't, I don't believe that's uh, feminism. I just don't believe that is because they have, um, 
they have millions and millions of young girls um, looking up to them and I just think it's a massive shame. I'm not saying everybody can be a hero at all and not everyone should be. It's tiring doing that. You can't do everything right but when you are literally telling young girls to have eating disorders and that they're not good enough, um, I yeah, it's a big problem. Absolutely. So how do you stay on top of your mental health? Yeah, so I... I try and make, um, I try and practice mental health every day. It's, and I've been doing that for the last three years. So I know it's a classic, oh, why don't you med meditate? But um, meditation really did help me. So I went away and I did this 10, um, 10 day course called Vipassana and it's a silent retreat, but not one of those nice yummy mummies, expensive retreats, it's actually on donation. So it's legit um, all just about helping people and the teachers there don't get paid or anything. And you sit in meditation for 10 days straight. So you're not allowed to look at anyone in the eye. You aren't allowed to speak you have no mobile phones no writing it's literally you and a meditation hall and then you have breakfast and lunch so that was a that was a wicked experience it was one of the hardest things I ever did but that's when I started to um, work through some of the things that I needed to work through and work through my mental health and face some trauma childhood trauma and things like that so since doing that course I come back and I've been trying to um, bring it into my everyday life so I try and meditate every day I don't I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie <laughs> I don't it's, it's, I try to it's a nice idea and you and we all go through different phases but um as well I think living in a concrete you know in in London it's really diff difficult because um it's actually proven that we need to be around earth so and we never feel you know we always have shoes on we never feel the ground beneath our feet and I know it sounds pretty hippie but when I go to a community garden and you can do that we've all got community gardens there's loads around London I go to one in North London and I volunteer for, for about three hours and I get dirty and I grow things and we harvest things I get to take home organic food that's yeah I really recommend everyone does that find a community garden um, or anything community, community spaces are amazing and um yeah, trying to trying to use herbal remedies rather than using uh, prescription drugs. That's that's changed my life as well. Um, and okay, it might not be for everyone, but I'd recommend I'd recommend trying it. Also, reading. I just love reading, and I always thought I was too stupid to read because I was brought up in a family and they told me that I was stupid. And then I had a really toxic relationship when I was 16, and he told me I was stupid. And you really start to believe the things people project onto you. So I was never really a reader. And then, and then when I was 19, when I left Arts Ed, I started reading, and I just was like, this is amazing. I can learn so much for free. You know, you can go and get books from the library, or books are so cheap. You know, and then you've got them forever. So. I really recommend that people read, go out to exhibitions. I love, I love seeing new things. Go and see art. Um, go and see a play. People always make excuses. I don't have any money to go watch a play. Yeah, but you go to the pub for hours and hours on a Friday and get really, really drunk, and that's cool. Do that, but what, do both things if you can, or or compromise one of them to do the other. Sometimes make sure things are quite diverse, and you're doing stuff that's actually good for you, um, because partying all the time. Because I know, because I did it for years. It, it really takes its toll on your mental health. And I read a book when I was 19 that changed my life. It's quite simple and it's not, the words aren't really profound, but it has profound um, 
makes profound changes to your life and that's called the four agreements and the four agreements are don't take anything personally um, don't make assumptions um, always do your best and what was the last one can't remember the last one but um had a mind blank but yeah if you if you live by those four agreements um in your everyday life if you're always um if you're always trying to be your best self which changes constantly so you might wake up and you're really really poorly and your best self that day is making yourself some soup and staying in bed but if that's your best self then do that on that day but on the days where you're, you've got loads of energy make sure that you're projecting that energy into the world and you're um, being productive with that energy that's that's one of the best things that I've done because if you're if you're not feeling good, don't don't try and do loads of things because you're going to make yourself ill. But if you are feeling good, then use that use that day if that makes sense. And also to not take th things personally because anything that somebody says is actually a reflection of how they feel. And we can't always get things right. We're always going to upset someone. And and don't purposely upset people. But if you have upset someone and someone attacks you, just remember that everyone's going through their own stuff. Everyone's going through their own pain. We've all got our own issues. And I think love always wins and if you can always find love and push through and and have compassion and empathy towards someone even if someone's being horrible to you you are only going to benefit from that amazing your intelligence through and through you're certainly not stupid you're amazing <laughs> so you do lots of stuff don't you you work for bumble you've got your own blog you travel you've got many many exciting projects how do you keep on top of everything and manage to fit everything in yeah i'm one of those people that absolutely loves doing loads of stuff i tried to have um when i stopped dancing i went and i was working in an office for i think i managed like a year doing that um yeah a proper a muggle job and it was um it was all right, but it wasn't. It wasn't satisfying. It didn't make me happy at all. And people can find those jobs that are, but um, for me, I just and most creatives, we like doing so many things at once. And I, I think we're brought up with that saying, "Oh, don't be a jack of all trades, a master of none." And I just hate. I absolutely hate that saying because it doesn't make any sense to me. Because we've got one life, and there's so many different things we want to do. There's so many different parts of ourselves that we want to explore and I don't I don't I can't limit myself I can't limit myself to even two things I just I I do so many different things and maybe some people from the outside can be they'll say oh but you know Tatum you need to find some focus and what, what, what do you want to concentrate on and you need to progress and you need to be successful and it's like well my life is so fulfilling I'm so, I, I so enjoy doing all these various things. And maybe at some point it will be, it will be one thing. But right now, why would I stop doing things that make me happy? And stop doing, like we were saying earlier, like why are we not being kids and trying things that shouldn't change? Because we're, I don't know whatever people's religious views are, but let's say we're only here once. Let's try and do whatever makes us happy. So just to finish off, um, we ask everyone this question. Could you walk into a room today and say, I'm having a bad mental health day? Yeah, I, I think I could, actually. Um, it's, it's something that I, I, I think we should honour the truth of how we feel. And if other people respond to that badly, that's on them. But I, yeah, I'd be, I'd be comfortable and sure of myself to be able to say that, yeah.
Excellent. That's exactly what we want to hear. Amazing. Okay, Taysom, we're just going to play another game. <laughs> I know. <laughs> A game um, called Finish the Sentences. Okay. So, my favorite thing to do on a Sunday is... Drink coffee and eat food. Yes. <laughs> my worst regret is... Not loving myself for who I am as a teenager. My guilty pleasure is... I don't know if... That, I was going to say watching musicals, but... Yeah, watching musicals, but I feel like... Is that guilty? Yeah, well, okay, we'll just go with that. <laughs> Theresa May's dancing makes me... Sick. In the future, I want to... Be able to help other women find their power. Uh, to, I'd love to go into schools and teach um, all genders about the female anatomy because I feel like that wasn't... I mean, it, it just wasn't... Uh, it wasn't concentrated on enough and we weren't taught exactly about the female body and how it works and especially about periods and all these taboo things. So I would love to um, be able to change that. Amazing. That's definitely needed. Um, the most valuable lesson I have learned in life is... Whatever happens to you, no matter how sad or traumatic, everything will pass and you can, no matter what, you can find a positive in the pain. Mental health to me is? It is a never-ending uh, process of work to keep your mental health healthy. <laughs> and uh, it is one of the most important things and it's something that we all need to be talking about and, um, and working on. Fantastic. Tatum, thank you so much for joining us. It's been amazing to hear you talk and hear your story. Scarlett and myself are so, so glad that you've come on. Thank you so much. If you would like to be featured on the podcast or you just have any thoughts that you'd like to share with us, please send us an email on industrymindsuk at gmail.com. You can find us on social media. We are on Twitter and Instagram. Our handles are at industrymindsuk. We are on Apple Podcasts and on SoundCloud. Please give us a subscribe, a follow, a little five stars because it helps people find us. <laughs> Please tune in next week where we will be bringing you another very exciting interview. Bye, Tatum. Bye. Thank you for having me. Bye.